do that to do that to any kind of woman or child or man or whatever it's just fucking disgusting but when it's your partner it's kind of you know what I mean it's, it's fucking raw and mm. the first as I said the first thought was going for me I thought if I, I, I found someone I, I, I planned to get a gun and shooting him and all them kind of fucking thoughts went through my head and they went through my head all the way through that prison sentence the first thing I'm going to do is get out I'm going to, I'm going to go and kill this geezer for what he's done to my missus Today's guest, Paul Bethel, was sentenced to 15 years for aggravated burglary on a joint enterprise charge. In and out of prison a lot in his younger years, he talks about his crack addiction and how he recovered. He also talks about how he's changed and learned empathy towards victims of crime. This is a guy who doesn't claim to be a gangster or a hard man, and he just wants to spread the message that a life of crime really isn't worth it. It's an amazing conversation. I was lucky to meet him. My name's Matt Price, and this is Conversations with Criminals. Can you describe what it's like to take crack? Is, is that, am I all right to ask you? Yeah, of course, yeah. Is yeah. that okay? Um, well, for me, for me, when I first started taking that drug, it, it, it never used to make me paranoid. Never used to. I mean, the drug, the drug it, it makes you climb walls, goes crazy, make, make, make you think people are talking about you all the time. But when I first started taking the drug, it was a, it was a drug that it's like, wow. It's like, it gave me confidence. Um, I was able to talk to people. But then the more and more... I got involved with that drug. It just, it just sucked me into a world I didn't want to be into. It was such an addictive drug. It was one of them drugs you couldn't put down. You just carried on and on and on. As time went on with that drug, I, I become a very paranoid person. I thought everyone was against me. Um, and then, obviously, the other side of it was the crime again. The, the crimes increased from, like, say, from, I don't know, shoplifting, right through to the robberies I was arrested for. Okay. It made me a very paranoid person, and it brought me to my knees. I mean, it, my world come crashing down at one at one point in my life, um, and, and it, it, it took everything from me. The devil's drug, they call it. Okay. So, Was there anybody around who could reason with you at that point? No. So there's no, no one to turn to. No. Well, there there, there there was people to turn to, but at that point, I I didn't feel that I had a problem with the drug. And then obviously, as when I got the prison sentences and stuff like that, that's when I started realizing. This is a problematic drug for you, um, and then when I when I looked into it and done a little bit of work on on myself around that kind of drug, then I started realizing well, what I've been thinking in my head is just the paranoid thoughts of what the drugs making me think. Yeah. So that person not against you, he's trying to help you, but you're thinking he's got an ulterior ulterior motive. Yeah. And um, can you talk, can you tell me because I imagine that. Going up is one thing, but coming down on something like crack—that must be. Does does it feel? Was the come down bad? I'm. I was. I was never. I was never down. I was always up. That's the, that's the thing with that drug. I was constantly chasing the buzz. Right. You 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 have one you have one one blast of a of a crack pipe, and you just chase that buzz. Yeah. And that's what I've done for years, day in day out. Woke up. I I I live for the drug. Basically, I love it. I I love the drug more than anything in this world. Wow. Um, and that's how it got me. Yeah. Um, it took it, took, and I said, well, as I said, it brought me to my, to my knees. It took everything from me. Was it expensive? Yeah, very expensive. Okay, very expensive. So, could you t- talk me through sort of how much it would cost? I mean, because it. I mean, my my my, my addiction started off uh, probably like most drug addicts do when they when they get involved with that kind of drug. I mean, you can get free 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 stones for twenty pounds, going right up to kilos of the stuff. Obviously, right. I didn't buy kilos of it, but yeah. at one point, my addiction got so bad I was doing three to four hundred pound a day on the stuff. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So th- that would we would explain then why you would need to to, to you know commit crimes. Yeah. I don't want to sort of badmouth anyone or anything like that. But presumably, did you have a dealer that you would go to? Oh, hundreds of dealers. All right. So there's my, lots. My, of- my my whole phone was dealers, apart from a couple of baby mothers. Right. Okay. It was, it was predominantly drug dealers in my phone. Right. Okay. Um, receiving text messages or phone phone calls. I'm on. Best of best, ten out of ten. All this crap. They, they, it's like it's like it's it's a, it's a shock to them, right? So I'm, I'm I'm just I'm just their customer. Was it a twenty four seven shop? Could you go? Could you yeah. phone them at any time? Any time, right? Yeah, nine, nine times out of ten, uh, I'd have five, six, seven, eight, maybe ten people in my phone that are on twenty four hours a day. Right. Um. Some some people go off early. Just depend on on, on the deal at the time. And would you have to go to them? Like I'd go to there. I'd walk miles sometimes. I mean, I, I remember walking from. I was living over in um, Twickenham, and I actually walked to Wimbledon from Twickenham. 
Wow, yeah. To, just to get three little white pebbles. And you get the pebbles, and where, where did you where did you smoke them then? Oh, I, 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 I smoked them on the way back. I walked back as well. Right. And within 15, 20 minutes, they were gone. And I wanted more. But I'm not even home yet. I'm, I'm only like two miles down the road. So you're and it's so, done. so you're on. I mean, I don't know how many. I'll, I'll Google it later actually yeah. to see how many yeah. miles it is. Yeah. But so you're high on crack walking back yeah. from Wimbledon to Twickenham. Yeah. Do, do you know what I find really interesting actually? Is it somewhere like Twickenham and um, Hampton and places lovely? Well, they, on the surface they seem to be lovely little areas. Mm. But Twickenham, I always think of sort of swing low, sweet chariot and yeah. the rugby. Yeah. I'm a bit naive, aren't I? Because yeah, very. I, I, I actually live in I live in Hampton, and what, when you get to know an area, you kind of see the cracks in the area right. in the community. Okay, and there's a lot of there's a lot. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of very nice areas around Twickenham, Hampton, Richmond. Oh, it's a beautiful yeah. area, but there is all walks of life from famous people to crackheads, heroin, heroin addicts, all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it, it's a, it's like in prisons, you got a mix with all walks of life. You may not get on with that people, them people, but you still got a mix of them. But yeah, so you, 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 when you in, living in that area, you start to see what goes on around you. Yeah. Um, and being an ex-drug addict myself, you see, you see the the, the, the the expressions of people's faces, the way they walk, stuff like that. So I, I used to, I, I used to, they used to call it the crack, the crack march. So when you when you when you when you're going to pick your drugs up, you crack, they call it the crack march. So you march, march, march. Right. get as quick as possible because you get to A and B back to the flat or wherever you're going to and you see a lot of that around them areas um, but it's, it's something that's not really not really spoken about a lot no, anymore that's kind of why I'm asking really in mm. a way I mean yeah. obviously we're sat here in a lovely little studio in, in Morden mm. and I'm once again I'm coming at this from just because I'm genuinely curious and how how easy is it to get crack? I mean, we're, we're in Morden now, right? And obviously there's a bus station there and I know, you know, sort of roughly where the residential places are. How easy would it be? Easily. Easy. I mean, no, I'm not, not going to go out my way to, to oh. try and find a drug now. No, of course not. But no. if, if, if I was in that situation, I could probably make a phone call and, and have something within five, ten minutes. Would that, that be... easy these days. Really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. So and, and, that, and that's with every, any drug. I mean, cocaine's probably a, a bigger problem on the streets of London at the moment because right. uh, kind of it, it's more they, they class it as a recreational drug whereas crack like people don't want that it's the persona of a, a, a dirty drug so it's, it's more beyond the door kind of thing oh so, so there's actual judgement then about what yeah, drug it's a, it's a, yeah there's a lot of judgmental judgmental on, on, on anything in life with, with drugs it, um, you can't you kind of get like the finger point is say I, I mean I've never been involved in any kind of like drugs like heroin or nothing like that but I've, I've been around that drug in the past and I've seen the effects it has on people and the stigma then people get for taking that drug right um, whereas if um, you're taking cocaine and crack I always said to uh, friends in the past I said you're, 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 you're doing exactly what I'm doing apart from I put it on the spoon and wash it up so you're so yours yours a tablespoon beyond what I'm doing yeah, because you, you can make crack in a microwave, can't you? There's loads yeah. of ways you can do it. I yeah. mean, something I don't. I mean, when I, when I was doing it, I was I was just buying it as as crack. Um, sometimes I'd, I'd I'd free base it, which is washing it up on a spoon with bicarb or ammonia or whatever. But yeah, you you do get judged for taking particular drugs, yeah. um, and that's and that's that's uh, being a drug addict. Drug addicts judge drug addicts. Can I ask you how you would look at someone taking crack now? How, how you would feel about it when you look at them? <sighs> to, to me it, it disgusts me now because of how it made me look feel um, and commit the things I did in the past yeah. um, because I come, I've become that, that drug turned me into a very violent person um, and it turned me into a very negative person okay. um, I thought I thought the world was against me and I just, you know what it's like all my life the thing was always pointing at me it's always your fault your fault your fault and um when I started my drug rehabilitation program back in 2012, one of the counsellors said, you got a habit of pointing. I said, yeah, okay. I said, well, what do you mean by that? She said, well, she always remember when you're pointing the finger, there's always three fingers pointing back at you. So right. I, I, I sat there, and for, for weeks I, I didn't know what she was on about. And then I, I approached her and I said, well, what did you mean by that? When you when you point the finger, there's always three, three fingers pointing back. He said, well, uh, when you do that, you're 
reflecting what's going on for you onto other people. So you're 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 not looking at yourself. So when when I started to get more and more into the recovery side of things, I started looking into it, and it was it's defects of character and stuff like that. So you're 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 you're, you're blaming everyone else for for what you're doing yourself. Yeah, that's the way I see it. Someone sort of can you go back to sort of like day one of recovery? Did you think that it was possible to recover? No, never thought. And why is that? But what? But and yet you went for it. Did you? Were you sort of pushed into it, or? Uh, no, I. I kind of when I, when I got the, the 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 big sentence, the fifteen year four month sentence. When I got that, I, I suppose I was doing it for the wrong reasons at at, at that point. Um, but I didn't know it was going to get me clean. Right. So I kind of was go, was going on to the. Uh, I was in Wandsworth Prison in two thousand and twelve, and I went on to a program called the Bridge Program. I moved wings from the mains over to uh, above the hospital wing, where they'd done the uh, what's known as the RAPT, Rehabilitation of a, uh, Addicted Prisoners Trust, I think it was called. I got involved with that, and I was doing that program specifically to get a certificate to take to court to try right. and get a lower sentence. Okay. So yeah. I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Sure. But yeah, I kind of fell into it. I mean, once I got into it, I started learning. I started learning about myself. I started talking about myself. I opened up, and it was kind of like a, an emotional roller coaster. And the more and more work I put into it, I was getting more and more out of it. And eventually, I, I got a week clean, two week clean, and, and it just progressed from there. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I've relapsed along the way. I see recovery, it's, it's a lifelong thing. And you can always slip straight back into it so easy. Yeah. Not that I'm looking to, but you know, I've seen, I've seen people along the way, I've lost people along the way through drugs. Um, suicide, all, all that kind of stuff that goes with that addiction, but with, with recovery, especially, it is easy to, to fall back into the old way. If you're not, if if you're not being strong, you're not going to the right people, you're not getting the, the relevant help, and especially if you if you start knocking about them them kind of people again, obviously, if you, if you, if you go to the hairdressers, eventually you're gonna you're, you're gonna get your hair cut, aren't you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like with, with drugs. Like you go to a pub, you, you haven't drunk for a few few months or years or whatever. You, you go to that pub, eventually you're gonna you're gonna think, oh, I'll have a, I'll have a quick half, and it just snowballs out of out of control again. Does 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 knowing that you or anyone who's been an addict has the potential to relapse? Does that kind of give you a strength then? Because it sounds like a very positive thing to me. Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, when 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 you see people, I mean, I've walked past like yourself. Like when you're walking past the train stations, you see like homeless men stuff like that. And you think there's, a, there's always a story behind that person. Yeah. It, it, it could be a breakdown of relationship or whatever it could be. But it's like with, with the drug side of things, if you're in a position like that, which I have been homeless in the past, it's like it's kind of an escapism, and you and it's you you isolate and you block things out for what's going on. It's like they say with the alcohol, you drown your sorrows. The very next day, the problem's still there. Sometimes worse. Yeah. Yeah. With with that kind of thing, it's. Uh, it is a difficult thing. It's, it's a vicious circle. It's very hard to get, very hard to get clean. For me personally, anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I imagine that it is. I think it is for a lot of people. Yeah. I think it's you know there's the twelve step programs yeah. and there's you know and very much of pe- people quite rightly celebrate being clean and sober. You know by by the day, then mm. by the week, the yeah. month, the year. You know yeah. it makes it makes sense yeah. to me. Well, that 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 bridge program was the introduction to the twelve step program. So yeah. it was like it was it covered step one, yeah. um, and part of step two. So when when I completed that, obviously I got my sentence, yeah. uh, and I was moved around the system all around the country for for years um, until I got to uh, Brixton Prison, and that's when I done the 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 full twelve steps. Well, step one to five in in, in prison, and then you carry on go go with the sponsor and continue with the meetings and stuff. Like that. And that's how that's how I progressed with with the recovery side of things. Okay. Mm. I'm, I want to, if I can, Paul, I want I want to ask you about violence, mm. okay? And you said you've been very violent. Was that because of drugs? <sighs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to blame everything on the drugs because I think that's would be wrong of me to do that because, I mean, I've, I've looked, I've tried to look into why I was so angry back then. A lot of it probably was to do with the drugs. A lot of it was probably due to the people I was not knocking about with at the time. I was like, you could, you could blame my peer pressure. There's loads of things you blame on. Yeah. But I blame myself. As I said earlier on, I was, I was angry at the world. 
and I thought I thought the world was against me. And as I progressed through my criminal career, with such things as like the, the burglaries and it, then it, it went up to like aggravated burglaries and okay. robberies and stuff, just crazy stuff. And the more and more I was getting involved, the deeper I was getting, the more and more violent I was becoming. So I started carrying knives about and this uh, weapons and all, all kinds of stuff. And people got seriously hurt over the years. Um, right. Same, same. I regret. You know what I mean? It's 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 part of my history. I'm not proud of it, and I've I've tried to do a lot of work around anger management. Yeah. Um, and so far, so good. So, can you tell me about carrying a weapon? Mm. First, first time I think I started carrying weapons was probably around about the age of fourteen. Right. I thought I thought it was a protective thing protecting myself from dangerous people stuff like that what did you have um, was a knife it was a knife I used to carry about yeah sometimes I had um, coshes lumps of metal mini baseball the uh, rounds about stuff like that them, them kind of weapons so yeah carrying a knife <clears throat> I carried a knife for, for quite some time thinking I'm protecting myself from dangerous people because of the, the role I got into um, I mean I, 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 I sold drugs at one point in my life in and out um, not very good at that not very good at any any kind of criminal thing activity in my life, but really, not not very good at not it. Very, That's no. interesting. Well, you saying that? Yeah, I mean, no, I, it's one of them things you try. God loves a try, as I say. Um, and I, <laughs> so, it, so in, talk me through about being a bad drug dealer. Then, how did that work? Was yeah, it just? It was this. Uh, well, when, when, when you're a drug addict, yeah, and say, for instance, you're you're trying to sell cocaine, and you've got an addiction to that that drug. Eventually, you start you start sniffing your own profits. Right, and then okay. all of a sudden you you you're back to square one. You have got no money again. You have got no drugs. Yeah, so that's that's what I mean by that. Like. And is it easier then for people to sort of not pay any debts to you if you're? Well, yeah, you start. I mean, you 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 start like ticking like bits and pieces out to to certain people. You you build a bit of a rapport up with, a bit of trust in that kind of game. I mean, I wasn't too big into in in it. I mean, there's only a few ounces here and there. Um, I'm not talking like Pablo Escobar kind of stuff, yeah. but um. When, as I said, when you're a drug addict yourself and you're trying to earn money through selling drugs, it never works because you you, you end up doing more of your drugs than you sell. Right, and that's, that's how it was for yeah. me. And I, I got I got into I got say like I got three thousand pound cash, and I think well I'll get I'll put that into drugs. Eventually, you make a little bit of money, then you lose your money, right. and then you start digging into your, your own profits and you start doing your own drugs, and, and that's how it is. It's just up and down, up and down. So I was, as I said, I was never no good at it. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, that's very honest yeah. of you. So, in terms of um, of a weapon that you would carry, were you were you did you use them? I've used them. Yeah, I've used them in the past, okay. um, and people have got seriously hurt over it. Okay, what weapons have you used? My, my my first my first ever prison sentence was back in 1996, um, and that was sort of stabbing. I'd been out one night with my brother, drunk. Was only I think it was about. 19, I think, 18, 19, something like that. Young. And it all, a fight kicked off, and they're running Kingston. Now, so I went on nightclubs, it all kicked off, and um, someone ended up getting stabbed in the face twice. And the res- result of that was I got a two, two year, six month prison sentence for it in the Young Offenders. First time when the film Young Offenders Institute. Can I, can I ask you, can you remember actually stabbing the person in the face? Is it. <laughs> yes and no. I mean, I say yes and I say no. It's. it's, it's is twenty odd years ago, twenty five sure. years ago. Yeah. It's, it's something I haven't really thought about for that long. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's, fair it's, enough. Fair I haven't enough. thought about it for a long, long time. Um, I can't, I, I can't remember exactly stabbing the, the actual fell in the face, but the 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 lead up to it was it was because I was drunk and stuff like that. It was just a, a heated argument that got out of hands, and yeah. it was just punches were thrown, and then all of a sudden, yeah, it happened. Um, and then next thing I done, I woke up in the police station the next morning. Yeah. Um, blood all over my hands, uh, telling me I've been arrested for a section eighteen, okay. GBH. And did you? Pro- does it progress then from from knives to more serious weapons like a gun? Yeah, I've been I've been involved with guns. It's it's one of them things. It's like I always remember being around a friend's house and uh, walking in, and uh, I was only going around there to pick up some drugs, and uh, there was two two guns on the table. I was a bit taken aback by it. It's like, really, like the first time I've actually seen 
I've seen weapons on, on in papers and yeah. movies and things like that, but to see one, to see two sitting on the table, I was a bit, oh. and then obviously inquisitive. So as time went on, as I said, with, with robberies and things like that, I, I got involved with people that were in, in that kind of game with the guns and things like that. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been involved with them, not, not too, too deep with them, but I, I have, messed about with them in the past and once again I'm guessing is it easy to get hold of a gun well, I would have thought so but um, it's not as I said it's not something that I, oh, I, I no. think about doing now or, or looking to doing but you hear it all the time on the news oh yeah stabbing yeah, shootings all the time um, I, I presume so yeah well because because one, one of the things that I always find sort of quite interesting in a way is that if you watch sort of you know television programs where somebody gets shot or whatever or somebody is stabbed it's not, it i'm mean, obviously it's a film and i'm not saying it's glamorized but it's not the reality i mean i'm i'm just assuming that a gun is probably a lot louder than people think yeah they say oh, it depends depends what kind of gun it is as well but um if it, i mean I, i've i've not really got involved that too in like i don't wasn't going around shooting people yeah more more as a scare tactic really in in robberies and stuff like that Okay. Um, so it wasn't one of them people. One of your biggest hit man and shoot people. I've never got involved in that side of things. But um, I've seen I've seen things like that happen, and it's it's, it's not nice to witness. You've I've, seen someone shot. Yeah, I've seen I've seen two people get shot. Okay. Um, in the past, and it, it's not it's not it's not nice. How not. I don't want to make this sort of really painful, mm. but obviously this is allowing me to get an insight into things, mm. and that's why I'm asking. Mm. You know that, don't you? Um, do, when somebody is shot. I'm guessing that it's it's not a pretty sight, is it? No, it wasn't. wasn't, um, especially when it was, your, it was, when it was one of your, your close mates. I was, uh, always remember sitting in the flat and the, the, door, the door come off, uh, someone kicked the door open. Um, obviously, I didn't, I didn't know what, what was going on. I was just in there smoking drugs. Um, next thing, two masked men are coming in with guns. And, yes, yeah, an argument broke out and all, all over was a big bang. See a white flash. And it was, it was like mad- madness. People run about and it was crazy. Did your friend die? No, he didn't die, but um, it was, was near on. Wow. And what what imp- impact did that have on you? Did that give you a desire to change, or were you not ready to change at that point? No, not not at that point. Wasn't it? it, was, it but it was it was a scary moment for me. You know I mean, it would be scary for anyone. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't no. matter whether you're the oldest bloke that walks this planet. Seeing something like that happen is. It, it still shocks me today yeah of course no well to be honest it scares me and I'm sat here just like trying to put myself in that yeah. position yeah. and wow it, you know. it wasn't nice no absolutely no. so if I can ask you about the big sentence then mm. can you can you talk can you talk about what that was wh- where you were and what happened you know how how did that happen because that's a long time yeah I was I was living with an ex-partner of mine and we just had a little baby girl she was only two weeks old there, there'd been a few problems with it within that relationship, um, so we, we was kind of like we'd been together about I think about three years at this point, um, but it was it was on on rocky rocky stages. So I ended up moving that house into uh, a bed and breakfast over in Teddington, just in, in between Kingston and Richmond. So I'd been over there, and as I said, my daughter's only just been born, and I was trying to get myself out of this world prior to getting this big sentence um i'd been on and off drugs i i I was in recovery and then i was relapsing in recovery relapsing um and then i bumped into an old an associate if you want to call it that associate yeah prick i'd call him but yeah i bumped into him and within a 24-hour period i'd relapsed hard and committed three serious robberies unfortunately someone lost their life not not down to me personally but um the impact that we had on that person, unfortunately, he lost his life. What happened to him? Uh, so we was, I was on, I was on um, uh, remands and going up, up and down, back and forth to court, so different kind of procedures. Uh, when we, it was two weeks before the trial started, and everything was set to go forward for the trial, and I got a visit from my barrister, and he said, um, he said, I don't know, I don't know if this is good news or bad news. He said, but the victims died. So I was thinking, no, I, don't, I, I didn't, did I have to cause that? That's what, the, the, all them thoughts raced in my head. I thought, what the fuck have I done? 
I mean, I'm thinking now. I'm thinking, is this a murder case? Yeah. Thank God it wasn't. But unfortunately, that's what happened to to the victim. And it's something that I've, I've had to live with for a very long time. Yeah. Something I regret uh, because what, after after trial and I've been sentenced and everything, um, just before just before uh, sentencing, sorry, the victim victim impact statement was read out from the sisters of the of the man that passed away, and it wasn't very nice to hear. And I thought that's I calls that. Right. I call I calls out from that family. And, um, yeah. It's like it's, I, I, I I was I, I was basically I went I went to the story the story behind it was I, I bumped into an old associate as I said we, I really that's hard end up committing an aggravated burglary but unknown to me the burglary had taken place prior the night before without me being involved in it okay so I, I went to this address under the impression we was going there to pick up drugs right when we went there to pick up the drugs uh, the robbery took place and uh, yeah the couple of weeks uh, before Charles had said the man passed away we found out later on just before that the man suffered with I think it was liver cirrhosis or something um, either, either they, they, put, they put him down as a vulnerable victim um, I wasn't to know um, and I wasn't aware that I was going to actually going to commit that crime I was just there, and I, I was I was done on a joint enterprise charge. Right. Okay. So so you were going to thought you were just going to go out to someone's house to pick up drugs. Yeah, I thought we thought I, I thought I was going there to pick up drugs. Right. Um, and then when I got there, the person I was with pulled out knives, and it's just crazy. And you, of course, joint enterprise means that the, that the police say that you were, had knowledge that it was going to happen, and therefore there's not. How did the barrister try and contest that? Yeah, we did. Well, we, we as I said, we went for trial. Um, I was found not guilty on 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 that count on, right. on the first burglary because it had nothing to do with me. But as I said, on on the second count, they 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 changed the indictment to a joint enterprise charge, right. where they they said that because of my previous convictions, oh. that I knew my co-defendant was carrying a knife. Right. Well, how do you know someone's carrying a knife? I don't know fucking know who's carrying a knife. Yeah. It's not the kind of thing you ask you for, mate, walking down the road, is it? I didn't ask you today when I met you. No, absolutely. H- have you got a knife on you? Can I ask you, at the time, were you carrying any weapons? No. 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 Okay. So, because you, because why would you? No. That I was, that's what I'm saying. I, I was under the impression, as I said, going to pick drugs up. Yeah. And then, then it all happened. As I said, unfortunately, the, 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 the man lost his life. Right. Uh, nothing, nothing to do with us. I mean, he, he, he got the knife stuck to his throat and it's it quite a quite a bad bad robbery in the end and it was the aggravating features that, that increase the dangerousness in that crime so they okay. put it down like to, to being in a group or a gang and because the, the, the phone wires or cut person uh, is uh, mad it must have been very traumatic then thinking you're going to get drugs and then you're watching someone you're with committing a crime in front of you mm. and you can't I guess you can't stop him, can you? I mean, it, it all happened. Yeah. Like, what would what, you do to something that's already happened? Yeah. It happened so quick, bang! It was, it was, it was. Yeah. It happened, and it was, and it was ended within 20, 30 seconds. Yeah. And that, and then the result of that, I end up getting a fifteen and a half year prison sentence. Wow. That would. That would test a lot of people. That would kind of make me pretty angry. I think that made me angry. But the 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 the, the most, the thing that made me the angriest was the fact that. I've been involved with crime most of my like teen life, going up to, to that sentence, um, and that that person I was with was a lifelong friend of mine. As I said, I've done a lot of prison sentences over the time, and um, I've become institutionalised over the years. And then that's all I knew. It was in and out of prison all my life. So that's that was it was I was living two lives: I had a life in prison and a life outside of prison, and they weren't much different. Right. Um, apart from I wasn't committing crime in prison. Yeah, um, and, and pretty much everything's free in there. But the thing that really fucking pissed me off the most was the fact that I kept my mouth shut, didn't mention no one's names, went through the trial, got sentenced, got through the sentence. I was up and down on the sentence. You know what I mean? You see, it was a long time. It, it took me a long, it took me a couple of years to adjust to that sentence emotionally. But when you got to come to the terms with that uh, you've just left your family outside with a two-week-old baby. And on top of that, your co-defendants is then trying to sexually abuse your missus. That's a different story. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I, I kind of, I had all these thoughts going through my head. The first thought was I wanted to kill the geezer. That was my first initial thought. I'll do a life sentence for this prick. That's exactly what was going through my head at the time. He's just, he's just basically tried to rape my missus. When, when did he do that? Um, I, I, I hadn't even been out of the police station. Right. So 
um, obviously once um, I was charged with all, all five counts, they they had a section eight in on me, which prevented me for uh, receiving or making phone calls from the police stations. So once that was lifted and I was able to let someone know that I was in the police station and stuff like that, I phoned my ex-partner up and I said, look, there's stuff at my flat, bank cars and stuff like that. I said, can you go and get us? I said, I'm, I said if, if, if I'm actually convicted, I said, I'm not coming out for a very long time. So she's gone up the flat and the person that was, was with me on the, on the night of the, the, the burglary was at my flat. She's gone up there and what she's told me, she's, she's been touched up by him and stuff like that. And, you know, for someone that, that I've known for 30, 35 years to do that to someone. I mean, I, I don't, to do it, to do that to any kind of woman or child or man or whatever, it's just fucking disgusting. But when it's your partner, it's kind of, you know what I mean? It's, it's fucking raw. And mm. the first, as I said, the first thought was going from there, I thought, I, I, I found someone, I, I had plans of getting a gun and shooting him, and all them kind of fucking thoughts went through my head. And they went through my head all the way through that prison sentence. The first thing I'm going to do is get out. I'm going to go, I'm going to go and kill this geezer for what he's done to my missus. Yeah. I mean, she's just given birth. She's, she was going through mental health issues herself. She's got on top of that. She's got a boyfriend in prison. She's got a 15 year sentence. So it couldn't have been nice for her. And on top of that, she's in the past, things happened to her when she was a child as well. So maybe that this, it's brought all them kind of emotions back for her as well. I, I, I don't speak to her anymore about it for other reasons, but it's like people don't, think of how it affects that person like I, I wasn't thinking about how it was affecting my victims when yeah. I was committing these crimes I didn't think I, the, first, the only thought I had in my mind was for financial gain to get a drug because I was a selfish prick there's a couple of things um, first of all uh, nobody would blame you if you did shoot the guy no. I'm not saying you should have done no. I'm glad you didn't No, well, I wouldn't, I'm really know. glad you didn't yeah. but, but that to me is amazing mm. can, you, can you tell me Tell me why. Why didn't you take revenge? Because I'm a better person. Yeah. Do you know why? It's the, I, I actually was about to say, I've been out of prison for the best part of three years now. And I've, I mean, I've been out of trouble. I've, I've been doing really well. I've not, I've, I've not even been stopped by a police officer. I've stopped and searched. I was getting stopped and searched all the time years ago. I've not had one warning from probation or one breach or not even anything to, to put myself in a position where I could get recalled back to prison. Because I'm yeah. so paranoid, I don't want to go back to that life. That life, it, 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 it's no life for anyone. You know, I've, I've had that since a uh, very young age, in and out of the justice system, and I've seen people go through the care systems there, um, and I've just gone through it with my daughter. Yeah, it's a hard thing that was. But yeah, with um, with that person, my co-defendant, all these, as I said, all these thoughts were racing for mine all the way through that prison sentence, yeah. and I thought the first thing I'm going to do is get out. I'm going to go hunting for him, but I didn't. Because, you know, what's the point? I'll, I'll just be back in, in prison, scratching my head and think, what have I just done for, for, for the rest of my life this time? But I actually bumped into the fella, my co-defendant. Yeah. Um, I walked past him in the street and he tried saying hello to me. And I said, one, 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 he, 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 sorry, he said to me, uh, he said, I'm not a grass I said, no, no, I said, I said one thing, you, you're not a grass. I said, because you weren't involved in my crime. I said, you weren't convicted of the crime, sorry. I said, so... One thing I know is you're, that you, you're, not, you're not grass. I said, but you're a fucking nonce. Yeah? yeah. Nonce my fucking baby mother off. I said, but you're not going to walk away from me today. I said, because w one way or another, karma's going to come and bite you. It's going to come and bite you out in the ass. I said, personally, I would like to do it myself. But, and do you know what? For me to do that, with the, with the aggression I built up all them years, took a fucking lot. Yeah. I felt like pouncing on him and, and, and te tearing his face to pieces. Yeah. But I didn't, you know what I mean? So it just proved in my in my eyes how much I have changed in that in that sense. Yeah, yeah, because, I, it's because amazing. Six, six, seven years ago, I, 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 all them thoughts I said I, I would have killed him. And you did say to me that had you been carrying a weapon, you would have used it. Yeah, and that's I, a very interesting insight. Hundred percent. Well. Yeah. If yeah. I if I had carried if I had a knife on me or whatever whatever weapon I was I was carrying at the time, I, I wouldn't have hesitated to use it to use it on him. Wow. You know, it just it just goes in my eyes now. Just talking about that. Just, it just reinforces what I'm trying to do. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. Just reinforces because people like that, they can cover, they can go on and, and they can they can carry on going and do whatever they want. They can cause more victims because that's not mine. That's that's not my that's not my problem. I I, I I need to think of number one. I need to become. I mean, I, I was selfish in my drug addiction. I need to become now selfish in my recovery, and 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 put myself 
before anyone else because as I say you can't love yourself you can't love others yeah mm. so that's, that's what I, I, I try and do now and it's interesting that you said you had no sort of um, empathy or, or care about the victims of, of your crimes at the time Never. but you do now though because you, you have empathy now yeah a lot now I mean um, as I said I, I've been involved in various various crimes from right through from driving offences to, to serious robberies and I never once thought of how I was making that person feel. Like, and it was only when I, I, I got on uh, to a program in prison, uh, in prison sorry, called uh, the TSP, Thinking Skills Program, and it widened my mind to, to the consequences of people's actions. And then um, also I'd done the, um, the victim awareness. So it's seeing the effects it has on 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 that person, and when you meet a victim of crime in person, yeah, it's it's um it's you know what I mean it's it's quite heart heartfelt. You know what I mean when you when you you actually hear this victim talking to how it's affected them. Have you ever actually had to sit down with a victim of crime then, and they've told their story to you? Was went, it in a group setting? I, it was in a group setting. That was the victim awareness, a sycamore tree that was called in prison. So the woman that came up at the end of the session after six weeks. Uh, she was an actual victim of burglary, right? But the the way she was coming across, it was like I was a perpetrator of her of her crime because I was in I was in prison for aggravated burglary and and robberies. Right, so okay. it was kind of like it felt like I had committed that crime against her, wow. but I hadn't. You know what I mean? But it, that's how it felt to me. And how did that make you feel then, hearing that? I was angry at myself for what I'd done to my own victim, but to actually hear it from a victim's mouth. It just, I thought, wow, this is this is how I've been affecting people in my life, yeah. causing nothing but destruction, yeah. uh, and not thinking of consequences. Just, it was all about me. I wanted, I, 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 if I wanted something, I'd go and get it, no matter how hard or how easy it was. I, I, I eventually, I'd, I'd get it, whether it be money, drugs, women, whatever. I'd go out my way to, to get it. And when you spoke to a victim like that, were you able to? Because obviously, you're not going to say, "Well, I'm." Because you haven't done it personally to them, mm. but were you able to sort of to say to them, "Look, I am actually genuinely sorry." For yeah, well, I, done. I actually did on on the, I think it was either session five or six. I'm not. I can't remember which way, which one it was. Um, we had to you had to give you had to make something or, or give something back. So I ended up. I was at the time in prison. I was, I was making matchstick um, picture frames and stuff like that. So I actually made this nice little picture frame and all that. And I I wrote a poem out and the poem was written for my own personal victim. Yeah. Obviously, I couldn't give it to the person, um, but that was who I was writing for. So when I give it to the lady to say, look, this is for you. I'm sorry you was a victim of, of, of a crime, yeah. but this is a personal personal poem that I'd like to pass on to you, to you because it means something to me. But she she, she pulled me up after, the, after the, um, the last session. She pulled me to one side and she said, look, I think you should take that back. Um, she gave me the poem back. She said, "Although it's a really nice poem," she said, "it's a personal thing for you to keep hold of, um, and hopefully you can go through the restore rest rest of justice system." Uh, so restore. I can't pronounce the word. No, I can't say uh, either. <laughs> <laughs> can't pronounce it. Um, basically, to meet your own victim of your crime. Right. Um, I never got the chance to. I, I went through it, but unfortunately, the 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 victims, uh, sisters and stuff, didn't want to know. Okay. Uh, so, but I still got the poem. Yeah, um, and uh, I actually put it on Facebook a few few weeks back um, on one of these knife campaigns uh, just to show that this is this is like a sincere apology. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to I was trying to make my my, my apology public. Yeah, to say look, I mean, I've done wrong in the past. I regret what I've done, and I'm sincerely sorry. You know what I mean? Can you understand why the sister then of the victim said no? We don't want to know. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. So, she probably, probably thought I was scum on the earth. Okay. And I don't blame her for that. Right. So it, it, it's always interesting because the the ex-offenders do sort of face a certain, a, quite, you know, a, a certain amount of judgment and discrimination as well. And I'm always, tell me about when you when you get out of jail after after 15 years, right? That's a long time. What you don't just sort of they don't kind of go, Paul, you don't shake your hand, good luck. No, no. They, they, the prison system set you up to fail, yeah, from from day dot. 
and, and it's, you, you, in prison you, you, you can adapt to your environment you adapt quite quick you learn you learn to live with the, 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 the routine and you learn to always always, always know in there so just expect the expect the worst all the time in, in prisons that's what I say expect the worst yeah because uh, you're, you're not going to get you're not going to get anything from them no. they, 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 they sell you a dream and give you a fuck all no. at the end of the day yeah yeah can, what 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 can you learn when you're in there? Like, is there a, is there opportunity? For yeah, because there's opportunities for everyone in prison, um, education and stuff like that. They, they only seem to be, be give you like a, a level two, which is worth nothing out in the community. Right, nothing. If you, I mean, you can go on to do obviously diplomas, degrees, and stuff like that. But the way I've seen the education system in in prisons is they only offer that people that, that them courses to people that are already educated prior to coming to prison. So someone wants to train to become a doctor but they've got the they've they've always got the the levels prior to that they're, they're letting people on as a priority but when you've got someone like myself who's not got a, a, a no gcse's or nothing like that it's so they just see i oh, would just put you on this course and maximum you can get to level two and they work jack shit out here yeah yeah and, and where do you live when you come out of jail i was quite i was i was one of the lucky ones i was very lucky um because i could have i could have been homeless on release um, like a lot of people, and then that revolving door, I would have been back in prison within weeks, 100%. I would have, I would have, I would have relapsed, been back on drugs, committed crime. I would have been back in prison within probably within days or weeks. Right. When I was when I got coming up to the end of my sentence, I was in open prison, um, and I had the opportunity to start reintegrating with the community, going out on days out. And when I was there, you you got a lot more freedom in them kind of places where you're not locked behind the door all the time. So you you can go to different departments in there, and I was on probation literally twenty four hours a day about housing because I knew if I hadn't got myself housed, I would have been back, right. and that's what I kept telling my probation officer: you need to house me because if you don't, I said the crime rate's going to go through the roof again when I get out, and I said no, I don't want that and you don't want that. It paid off. Um, I end up coming up for release, and I, I, I'm I'm what's known as a mapper, so I was high risk to the public when I come out. I was a mapper two level two which is just multi-agencies involved in my life, police intelligence, all them kind of different organisations, whoever they deem reasonable enough to be involved in your life. Who, that, I don't know if it could be social workers, yeah. stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, as I said, I was high risk when I come out of prison. Over the over the, the course of three years, I've had my risk lowered. Uh, I'm now medium risk to the public, which I'm a map of two level one now, which is good. It's a little bit easier on myself. Uh, there's not, not so many people involved in my life anymore. But yeah, it's hard. But I, 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 the, 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 I told you a story a few weeks back when I was speaking to you on the phone. Um, the very first night I come out of prison, and I shouldn't really let it anger me, but I do, and I should let it go. But I was waiting for a hostel placement um, into in a map approved premises, and they they had problems with the room. So the previous uh, occupier had smashed the room. I had to get new furniture, so that. So I was waiting for all that. It had all been decorated, but it was, I think I was waiting for the bed and cupboards, whatever it was. Um, in the meantime, I had to give an address, so I spoke to my mum. She said, "Yeah, come here, da, 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 da. everything's sweet." So give this probation. All got okay. All got agreed. I can go to my mum's uh, for the first two weeks while the hostel was getting sorted out. That didn't fucking work out <laughs> from day one. Uh, this was the hardest part f- for me personally. Uh, first, very first night I come out of prison, went to my mum's house. Um, and I'm not slagging my mum off, I love my mum to pieces. But um, she, it, we've all got issues. I'm an addict, my mum's an addict. Uh, she's she's an alcoholic. We've been trying to get help for years and years and years, but she, she's, in, she's in denial. She don't she won't let me accept it. And uh, I was like that, so I've got to accept that she can't accept. Yeah. So if, that, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah. And it was difficult. Um, yeah, I went there very first night. She was drinking, and she's fine after a couple of drinks. And then it starts getting a little bit more louder, and the head, and the head starts going. And then I think, oh, here we go. Um, and you've got to imagine, I haven't witnessed this for years. Been in prison for years. Yeah. And my brother's been telling me about what's been going on with her alcoholism. It's just gone downhill. And we, had, we ended up, I had an argument the first night I got out of prison. And she kicked me out of the house the first night. I had nowhere to go. I sat on the park bench, climbed my eyes out. I didn't know my fucking foot from my leg back then. Yeah. Um, I sat on this park bench, freezing cold night, started to rain, and I had, no, no, I had nothing. I'd probably had about fucking 15 quid in my pocket. And I, I just, I, I, all these thoughts went through my head about 
your life's going to be over again. It's exactly how your life was prior to these prison sentences. It's all started again on the very first fucking night. Um, I don't blame my mum for it. I mean, because because she's got issues with drink. It was difficult, you know what I mean, to 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 come to terms with that. I've just finished a big sentence off, and now I've come out the sentence. I'm going back to the first person that you would have thought would have had your back, and not put you in that position. Did. So what did you do? You sat there on the bench in the rain. Yeah, sat there on the bench in the rain. Um, I, I gathered my thoughts. What my eyes that I've just done then. Um, and I walked round to my brother's house and I banged on the door. It was quite late at night. I said, look, this has happened. Today. I ended up standing on my brother's, brother's side for that night. First thing in the morning, I woke up and I said to probation, right, I said, this hostel, I said, I don't give a shit if I ain't got a bed in it. I said, I'm going in it. If I hadn't have been honest and said what I said to the probation, I probably wouldn't have been in this position I am today right. uh, with such things as housing. I would have I would 100% put myself back in prison if, if, if I hadn't been housed. But I was kind of, again, I was trying to, I knew I was being housed, but that two weeks felt like a lifetime away. Yeah, it would do, yeah, Because um, yeah. I'm thinking, like, uh, my head, but I didn't know what was going on outside. Everything was 100 mile an hour. It, loads of things had changed, even down to money, things like that. Tax this not being on cars anymore. Even, I, said, I even had a, 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 a laugh and a joke with my mum a, few, a few, few months back, actually, um, about this when I first come out. She said, do you remember when you first come out? She said, you got in the car. And I, my mum's always one of them people, once she drives, she's always got to make sure she's got MIT and sex and sure she's all, like, a, not, not a paranoid person, but she's, she always has to make sure it's all in place. Yeah. So I, I remember coming out of prison, I said, so you, you ain't got no tax on that car, mum? She said, you know, I said, the taxes is running. I pulled the, pulled the taxes. We ain't got taxes no more. And I didn't know. It's all done on the, on the DVLA database now, isn't it? Yeah. It's all digital now. I, I didn't know. But so it's, it's them little things that you forget about when you're in prison. Yeah, the little changes. Yeah, there must have been a lot of changes. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, ma- ma- loads of changes, like, even down to the money, yeah. like the, the new plastic notes. For every losing them things when I come out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what what's it like? So when you go to a hostel like that, there are other. So if it, if it was a specific hostel mm. for people who've been high, was it many high risk prisoners then? The, the, the host I was in was it's a map approved premises. Okay. So it has to be approved through probation or uh, whoever, right. whoever, okay. whoever approves these premises. Yeah. So I have to be on license and the conditions that I've got on my license or had on my license. One of them was I had to be in a, in a, a permanent residence or a, a, a residence where right. uh, it was approved through probation. What were the other residents like in the hostel? <laughs> Again, a lot, of, a lot of the people in the hostel were friends from my past. Because right. I was put in a hostel in my area, in the Richmond area. Okay. Which was a good thing because I could have been put right out of the area. Yeah, yeah. But luckily for me, I was put back into the, the area I was brought up in. Right. But unfortunately for me, because I was put in a hostel with people I knew, I nearly got dragged in back into certain, certain situations. And luckily for me, I've, I've got um, a, a good support network with a social worker and stuff like that. And I was in, I was only in, I'll say only, I was in the hostel for 13 months. And now I've, I've got a one-bedroom flat over in Hampton. Yeah, great. Right. So, yeah. Mm. Nice, little, nice little area, nice little flat. I've been there for best part of about 18 months or something like that now. But, um, you know, what occurs to me is there's temptation everywhere, everywhere. isn't there, to go back? Everywhere, yeah. Every, everyone, everyone was using the hostel. Everyone was using the hostel. Um, and, you know, like when, you, when, you, when you're in that position, you've been a drug addict, and you, the, the, the smell, the taste, anything could trigger you off. And that was what was triggering me off. And I just got onto probation again. I said, "Look, get me the fuck out of the hostel. I've had enough of it." And I, I, I moved out of the hostel at one point, but then obviously the, the probation side moaned at me, saying that you can't do this. this. This is part of your life and conditions. We could recall you for this because you're not supposed to be out of the hostel from, uh, out of a, a property for more than twenty four hours without uh, verifying with them first. Right. Um, but luckily, my, the probation officers I've had have uh, been really, really good to me. I mean, been supportive. Um, anything I've asked for, I've got. Uh, within reason, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm one thing I've never had is a license, and this is something I'm doing now. Okay. Um, I'm in the progress process of getting my driving license. Cool. Um, so yeah, little, little things, stepping stones, things that are gonna help me that I should have done when I was 17. Well, and where, where are those stepping stones gonna take you? Well, where, Who knows? What, what are you planning? Because I know, for example, you you know you've um, set up a knife crime sort of. I, yeah, I, try, I mean, I, I was, I, I, I was, I'm, I'm interested in hearing it from victims' perspectives. How 
knife crime affected others. Yeah. Because I was that perpetrator affecting that person. Yeah. And it's nice to 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 it, we can sit there all day long and talk about the gore stories so like we've got hundreds of thousands of nights. I mean I can talk about it all day long this point is because it may be that's what some people want to hear but it's not what I'm trying to get across yeah. you know what I mean it's, it's, that's not the, that's not the, that's the message it's the wrong message but, we, but the message I'm trying to get across and it's nothing to the knife, knife the, the knife crime campaign I tried to set up I only had a few few members but it was an achievement for me personally yeah you know? Um, I was getting my story and they say I want you yeah, you know yeah. I mean? if I hadn't done that I wouldn't have met you absolutely I been here today yeah, yeah. so it's an achievement for me to be here today Yeah. I could have been in a crack house Yeah. I mean and not not been given a shit about anyone it would have been a bit all about me again but now I'm trying to look at it from other people's I'm, I'm trying to help people now instead of cause harm I'm yeah. trying to reduce harm to people by getting a positive message out to people and I hope right, in, in, in eventually whilst all this planet I can do that if I can save one person from dying being stabbed I've achieved what I'm trying to to, to achieve yeah I mean the the, the the message I'm trying to get across to people is that you know like trying to play gangster for a day has a lifetime effect on not only myself but everyone around me I mean and it's really not fucking worth it yeah. crime as I said it, it, at times it paid it paid off financially at times. But then the money that I did earn from crime only ruined my life. And and, and the, the effect it had on others. It really had a world for, for no one. And, and like, I'm, I'm trying to get across to the, to, to the younger today that don't bother trying to get involved. Don't play gangster. I mean, because I'm, I'm far from a gangster. I'm nothing like that. But what I'm trying to say is when you try and put, act like one of them people, the, the, the effects it has on your life are dramatic and the effects you have on that person's life such as victims of that you destroy people's lives not only you destroy them like you destroy them you know what I mean so it's that big ripple effect of everything that you do causes a massive I, I left a trail of destruction behind me and I weren't thinking about my family my children my victims and all them people all them kind of people I didn't think about because I was a selfish prick but to the younger today I would just say, please don't get involved in it because it's really not worth it. Really not, because all you're going to do is is you're gonna you're gonna um, end up in prison. That's the that, or, or worst case, not dead. I'm lucky. I'm one of the lucky ones. As always, thank you very much for listening, and thanks, of course, to Paul Bethel for being such a great guest. There will be more podcasts out soon. I have a whole lineup of people, and I'm really looking forward to putting them out there for you. Do keep supporting the podcast. Please like it, share it. You can leave a review on iTunes. That would mean an awful lot to me. But most of all, do take care of yourselves. And I will speak to you soon. Bye for now.